0: An Honorable Profession is brought to you by OpenCounter.com. OpenCounter builds tools for local governments to deliver permits and licenses online. Their portals make complex permitting simple, which lowers transaction costs, increases transparency, and empowers economic development. OpenCounter is a vital tool for communities big and small across this nation. Check out OpenCounter.com to see what they can do for your community. Welcome to An Honorable Profession, a podcast giving America hope since 2018. I'm your host, Ryan Coonerty. An Honorable Profession is a New Deal Leaders podcast. The New Deal is an organization that supports some of the most thoughtful and innovative voices in American politics. I've been a member of New Deal for years, both when I was mayor of Santa Cruz and now as a member of the Santa Cruz County Board of Supervisors. Check out some of our past episodes with guests like Montgomery Mayor Stephen Reed, Georgia Senator Elena Parent, and Adrian Fontes, the Registrar of Voters in Maricopa County. Each has a unique and powerful perspective on the state of our democracy. It's something you won't hear anywhere else. You can find us at newdealleaders.org or wherever podcasts are found. And if you like what you hear, please tell your friends. We're trying to bring sanity to politics in an insane era. We need all the help we can get. Today, Today on an honorable profession, we're talking with a leader of a different kind, Kathalia Robinette. She's the president of eRepublic, where she oversees operations for the company's award-winning media platforms, governing government technology and emergency management. Kathalia also oversees the Center for Digital Government, the Center for Digital Education, and the Governing Institute. In 2014, she directed the launch of the Governing Institute's Women in Government Leadership Program an innovative initiative that encourages future generations of women to participate in public service. And she's the host of a new and fantastic podcast called In the Arena. She's a frequent speaker for government and educational organizations worldwide, including the United Nations, Harvard University, the National Conference of State Legislators, and the Council of State Governments. She's a fantastic expert and observer of government and the trends driving change for all of us. It was a pleasure to speak with her. Enjoy. Today we have a very special guest on an honorable profession, Cathalia Robinette, the president of eRepublic, which is the media organization that publishes Governing Magazine, is here to talk about the changes in landscape to our media world, what governments and leaders need to know, uh, and how we're going to get them that information. So Cathalia, welcome to an honorable profession.
1: Well, thank you, it's great to be here.
0: So uh, we're here because uh, one of my favorite magazines in the world, Governing Magazine, is relaunching and it's an exciting opportunity for us to have a conversation about uh, what does all this mean? Um, And more excitingly, it's gonna get government leaders the information they need to make their communities better. Can you talk about uh, what the plan is for Governing and, and what it means for all of us?
1: Sure. Well, let me put some historical context into Governing. So it was launched in 1987 by Peter Harkness, the founder. In those days, he was seeing around the corners and starting to see that, you know, maybe not everything was going to be Washington-centric. So he launched Governing to really talk about what was happening in state and local government. Our company at the same time launched Government Technology Magazine in the same year in 1987. I think we bought Governing 10 years ago and we started to see that the world that Peter Harkness envisioned in 1987 was changing. So we're actually relaunching Governing and we are really going to be talking more about this collision of society and technology for leaders. So, you know, back when Wired came out many years ago, it was riveting, and I read it cover to cover. It was one of the few magazines that I did that with. We really want to be the Wired for government, and we really want to talk about big issues that I think public officials need to understand in this crazy world and time of exponential change. So that's, that's a start. So give,
0: me, give us an idea of some of those big issues that, uh, that people will find in your magazine?
1: Well, really anything that has to do with the big sense of technology and in the big T, not the small T. So let's look at drones, for example. So much is going on regarding drones and how they're going to be legislated and how we're going to use them. Autonomous vehicles are already here, and people have been kind of in denial about what does that mean and what does that look like. You know, right now at MIT Labs, they're building cars that have a moral compass, right? Are you going to hit the pedestrian or are you going to kill the driver? These are really crazy times that we're living in, and we're going to be looking at that, and we're going to be looking at anything that really involves this world that we live in today and the future of everything. And I really like to go back historically and talk about the time during Teddy Roosevelt So he was that president at that time. You know, he was a Republican, but he became incredibly progressive because he had to, because there were so many things going on in the country. You look at what was happening, right? Urbanization, what's happening now? Same thing. You look at this huge economic disparities that were going on. Same thing. You had, you know, he was, I think, the only, the first president that, you know, was in a a car, a train, and a plane, right? So all that was going on. And if you look at now for leaders, we're in this pivotal moment where data, privacy, security, these are really vital things for elected officials to know. And we're going to be writing about every aspect of this and helping to guide the way.
0: I think it's really important what you're doing. And it's also... um I don't, I don't think that we're able to grasp how profound some of these changes will be. If you think about autonomous vehicles, you think, okay, well, the car will just drive me. Then there's the question of how the car makes moral choices. Then there's the question of what happens to parking. Then there's the question of um, I now have people saying, well, people will just live in their car and sleep at night. while it drives them to wherever they need to go, uh, and then they can get out in the morning Uh it changes congestion, it changes pat- work patterns, it changes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if you walk around a city and look at the amount of space dedicated to parking, mm-hmm. um, it's it's pretty remarkable. And um, you're right that these things are happening to us and, um, and there barely seems time to sort of think through the intended and unintended consequences. So that'll be extremely valuable when we sort of, uh, as we address these issues. What are the big issues that you think leaders need to, to understand today about technology in order to be to be effective?
1: Well, I think a few things. So first of all, they've got to embrace data and this concept of performance. So. There's so much data today, right? I'm, I'm at your conference with you right now, and I learned so many exciting things yesterday. And all of it had to do with data. So I think grasping that concept, and looking at performance, and really make sure that leaders have dashboards, and they're not, you know, depending on anecdotes. It's gotta be more analytical government, and we really have that opportunity today that we really haven't had before. I also think we have to embrace innovation, and leaders need to figure out how do we institutionalize innovation? What are our benchmarks? It's not a buzzword anymore, you know, looking at things differently and how do we do that? So creating chief data officers, chief innovation officers, chief performance officers, kind of looking at that new suite of leader. and. You know, I think also what's happening is that it's about the government experience. Now, a lot of leaders aren't thinking about that. And, you know, it's true. We have millennials and Gen Y or Gen I or whatever they're going to be called. They're really approaching stuff differently. And I'm so excited because if there is a real problem, you can look at someone who is going to solve that with some kind of app. And it's happening every time I turn around today. So... How do you create an experience for your constituents? It's very different. And you got to embrace, I think, performance, innovation, and the experience.
0: That's absolutely true. Yeah, in my county, so uh, one anecdote, even though, because uh, it is powerful. is So I had a student of mine from the university who was working, essentially checking people into the pool. And he was so annoyed by the technology that he actually wrote a program to automate the whole experience because he was like, why am I doing this? This is crazy. Um, so even though we were paying him, whatever it was, $14 an hour to sit there by the pool, uh, he took this on cause it was just, it was just too much him to take. Um, the second part is, yeah, we've taken years and now we have, we finally got a dashboard. We have 187 measurable goals. We're going to be transparent and it's amazing the both technology it takes, uh, and the data collection it takes when we to do it. But more importantly, is managing the cultural change across generations uh, where you have, and and abilities, where you have some people who are just, I love it, I can't wait to gather this d- data, put it up there, see how we're doing, I wanna hit these numbers every day. And you have other people who are, Absolutely resisting it every step of the way, and this is this is terrible. And you're never going to understand the nuances of my job, and this data doesn't reflect it, and da da da. Um, and uh, it's it's, and then when you come to conferences like New Deal, uh, you hear these conversations over and over and over again, and it's, so it's hard to to find the platforms to to engage. Um, but I imagine it's also hard to be a media company in this day and age. Uh, The media landscape is changing as quickly or more quickly than the government uh, and technology sectors. So how are you navigating that and how are you sort of in this attention economy uh, getting leaders attention in order to address these issues?
1: Well, luckily for us, we've been at this for a long time and we have trust already, this is all that we do. There are 200 of us that spend our entire life looking at cities, counties, and states and best practices. So we've got that going for us. However, I will say that we have different leaders today and we got rid of actually a print publication just because you know, newer and younger elected officials are not embracing that form so much anymore. So that's one change that we made social media, how we appeal to this audience. We just believe if we keep addressing our core values, which is best practices, what, if, what are good things that are going on out there? How do we present that to leaders and how do we do it in a bite size way? But also other times go in depth. We're going to keep that formula for us because it, it has worked and it's going to continue to work. I think, though, it's interesting just watching our metrics, you know, in terms of bite size. You know, we always say, you know, we're going to unpack that, and we're going to give you bite size information. Our daily is still great because it really gives you a sense of what's happening around the country in one place. But I think, you know, we're different because we're not the regular media. We're not political, and we really, really believe in the good in government, and we try to reflect that.
0: I think that's that's one of the things I've always appreciated is the tone, which is there's there's more than enough stories out there to make you question government and our democracy. Um, but governing was one of the places that says, you know, you can change organizations by identifying all the things that are all that are problems mm-hmm. and then try to fix them. Or you can identify the strengths and try to grow those. Yeah. Um, and as any parent knows, that's, there's two ways of parenting, right? Uh, it, it also applies there. Um, so what out there, what are you seeing governments doing well that you think isn't a story that's, that's being told um, as, you know, anywhere else?
1: Well, I have the great fortune of having a job that is looking at that. Right? I get to find all the fun stuff and be with great people. And to be honest with you, I honestly think that some of the best people work in government. And really it's been kind of my job to be the evangelist for government because government gets trashed all over the place all the time by the regular media and particularly what's going on here in, in Washington DC is not helping everything. So I think for me, you know, we have a new kind of leader coming today. And they get the idea that we are really living through an incredibly chaotic time. And leaders need to provide leadership. They need to get that we are in such exponential change right now, and they've got to embrace that, and they've got to lead the way through this. I just think our country is at a time where there needs to be more understanding more communication, more reaching out, right? I look at Greg Fisher, so the mayor of Louisville, I'm a huge fan of his. He has done such a good job of reaching across his city and really communicating with all corners of that city. And I think today, you know, that's vital. So I think some leaders are getting it, some leaders not so much, but I'm seeing more. I'm more optimistic, right? I used to go out and people would Look at me. I would talk about technology and all these things, and they looked at me with glazed eyes. That's not the case anymore.
0: Yeah, let me just say we had Greg on this podcast, and I think part of his secret is he's all about performance measurement. He's a former entrepreneur. He's he's driving. You know, he's driving change uh, through his organization through performance management and investing in people. Then he's, but he's also talking about he's got the partnership with the Dalai Lama, right. Where he's talking about compassion, compassion and big ideas that unite people because we can't be all about just numbers and just drones and just, you know, responses. We need to also have the ideas that, that, that are universal that call on the better angels, I think. Um, oh, absolutely. And, um, and I think he absolutely does that. So, um, One of the questions I have, and from a technology point of view, is government decision-making, even under the best scenarios, is slow. Technology is fast. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're seeing at every level is government um, struggling to keep up with the advances in technology. Mm -hmm. I feel like government needs to look at being more adaptable uh, and creating frameworks, but that's hard to do. Under the way that states and counties and cities operate, how would you recommend that elected officials respond to technology that that by the time they finish two years of uh, lawmaking, mm-hmm. uh, that technology has been replaced by a new technology True. that's that's working in you know outside of those those regulations now again.
1: Well, I think policy leaders and elected officials need to find. People who who get it. And it's all about leadership, right? It's at leadership at your level, it's at leaders the leadership at the technology level. You gotta find a leader who can help you make that journey. I also think this is really boring and in the weeds, but procurement has everything to do with what you are trying to do. And it's interesting because Gavin Newsom came in as governor in California, and one of the first things that he did was issue an executive order on procurement. It was really one of his things. Now, it's really geeky and in the weeds, but I'm telling you, if everyone can really confront procurement and look at that, and look at that balance. And then also, I think you need to, you know, look at a government that's beta right? It's got to be permanent beta. You've got to keep testing things. You've got to take some risks. You've got to try something new. And I think today there are so many fun app development and people that actually are so engaged in the process. And, you know, I I get excited about right now, actually, but, you know, take risks, look at your procurement, hire good people.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you said this, and I'm just gonna dork out for a second. Okay because um I you know, I've run businesses, and the two most important things you do in business is hire the right people and then give them the tools to succeed. Exactly. Um, and in government, the hiring of the right people and the procuring is the most bureaucratic, least strategic area and it's and frankly it's like gets the least amount of attention right. of everything we do and i'm like this is actually the single most important thing we do and it's all rooted in this idea that there was corruption a hundred years ago sure. in places and so we had to make it as bureaucratic as possible in the hiring and firing of people and in the procuring of of make getting contracts but in an age of technology and transparency, there has to be a solution to that Mm -hmm. so that you can be flexible and fast in how you hire and how you uh, procure tools. Uh, And it's just this giant disconnect that that is so frustrating.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, again, it's a leadership issue. In California, for example, we had Mary Bell Badger was the head of GovOps in California under Governor Brown. And that's what she was doing. She was taking this civil service code that was so archaic and trying to bring it up to present and fighting for all kinds of new change. And, you know, I was at Arizona State University last week, and I will tell you that Dr. Michael Crow there is unbelievable what he has done to change education, to change his organization, and to bring this university into this current place that we live I actually haven't seen anything quite like this man and what he's done. And I use that just to show government that with leadership, pushing change, not giving up, and just challenging the status quo every day, which is what this guy does, you, make, you can make huge changes. You really, really can. It's a matter of focus and persistence.
0: Absolutely. And it's about empowering the organization because Arizona State's obviously – a huge institution the state of California is a huge institution. And unless you move decision-making down, um, the whole system breaks if it's going to require it to wind its way up to the top of a bureaucracy and then back down through bureaucracy. Um, but it's a, that's a big cultural change, but I think governing will play a really important role in showing those models.
1: That's right. That, that is our plan. We really want to look at the future of work, the future of community development and design. We want to look at the future of finance and the future of government and do that every day. And we're going to do that with some great journalists, some storytellers, photographers, photojournalists, and then we're also hiring great columnists, historians, ethicists, urban planners. We're really trying to mix it up and paint a picture of what's possible for government today. That is
0: fantastic. Give us an idea of something that you're seeing that is maybe not on the radar of any uh, government official right now, but, but really should be uh, from the technology world.
1: Well, I'm going to give you one example that I just heard. We had a rocket scientist with us at an event two weeks ago, an amazing PhD woman from MIT who's created a business. And she was talking about space. And it's really interesting because we have 8,500 satellites right now up there, and 30,000 are just going to be launched by one company. And there are other companies that are launching a whole bunch. Now, no one's thinking about this, and no one is putting together policy for this crazy area called space, the same as we didn't do for plastic bottles and what's happening in our oceans, or I could go on and on and on. So all of these things are public policy issues, and government really needs to think about space. They need to think about autonomous vehicles. I think this is also the Wild West. What's about to happen? you know, drones are being tested. You know, I see all this stuff. So these things are beta tested, drones, autonomous vehicles. And some of these things, I just don't think people are quite ready for that. And, you know, in a lot of legislative bodies, I kind of see, oh, he or she, she, they're the technology legislator. Well, people need to be a little bit more educated today, because we're living in some wild times. And, You know, I think people just need to be open to that. Now, the good thing about us, we're going to be looking at all that, and we're going to be providing that information to government so that, ah, you should be thinking about space, of all strange things. How are we going to legislate that? How are we going to deal with autonomous vehicles, drones? Real privacy issues, right? So, real data issues. Yeah. Why do you think,
0: like, what about the media landscape right now isn't facilitating these conversations? These are big, interesting issues. Um, and so why why are we not having conversations about, about the changing role? To, we're having them in piecemeal, yeah. right? Like this social media platform or this or that. But it's not like... Is it just is the problem too big to contemplate, or is it, uh, or is that we haven't allowed a place in the media landscape to have these sorts of policy discussions?
1: Right. Well, I think some of it is just focus right now as a country. You know, we're going through a really tough time, and unfortunately, twenty four seven coverage has driven a wedge into our communities and. I think for us, what we're trying to do is take the high road here and put people back into focusing on big ideas and things that are going to impact people's future. So, the media today, you know, a lot of it, it's really about money, it's about ratings, and, you know, people are going more into their little siloed interest groups, I think, which concerns everyone. I think we're in a big transition right now. I have the good fortune of knowing a lot of amazing politicians who have shared their point of view with me, and I'm really hopeful that we're going to make it through this. It's pretty tough right now, what's happening across the country, and the media is definitely contributing to that, but I think it's really this transition that's happening as the demographics of our country and our communities are changing, and this rural-urban divide We've got to get past that. And we've got to find some unifying cry as people in the United States to bring us back together. And you know, I always stay hopeful. That's just how I am.
0: Yeah, so I guess wrapping up here, what does make you hopeful? Uh, Because you're out there seeing all this. And for a lot of people, this is really scary, right? Like the future of work is scary. Autonomous vehicles are scary. People probably hadn't even thought about the implications of space uh, being scary. What 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 are you seeing that, that people that, that makes you excited and, and is a good reason that people should make sure they follow governing and understand um, and understand what's out there?
1: Well, thank you for that. I am inspired by great leaders, and I've been inspired at this conference. Right? I love. Folks who really get it and they believe in what they're doing and they challenge the status quo. I'm just a huge believer in people who want to change things for, in the right way and to have new ideas and to keep challenging old conventions. And people don't think about that in government. But again, you know, I find some of the best people are in government. And they are leading the way, and we are going to continue to identify those leaders, as we always did with Public Official of the Year. We have a women in government leadership program. We've done a variety of things that we are going to continue to champion those folks who get this time that we live in and to give us all hope. So that's where I get inspired by the people that I see every day who are literally changing this world for the better.
0: Well, thank you. And thank you for changing governing to fit this new world. Um, together, we're going to get through all these changes, hopefully. Uh, um, but uh, please make sure you're, uh, you're out there following uh, governing and the good work it's doing. Because if you follow governing, then you're following leaders who are innovating across the sectors and, again, making their communities a better place. Yeah, thank so, you. I look forward to reading more. And thank you, uh, thank you for joining us on Honorable Depression.
1: Thank you so much.
0: For listening to An Honorable Profession. Please subscribe to hear more amazing leaders and keep asking your elected officials to be honorable. Boots Row Group produces this podcast. I'm Ryan Coonerty, and because we keep things honorable, no tax dollars were used in the making of this podcast.